Uh, Renew, I wanted to begin this morning uh, by saying thank you. Um, I want to spend a minute thanking you for the way that you have faithfully given over the past year. Uh, Thank you for giving almost $10,000 for our church planting fund. Would you continue to pray with us as we pray for God to use Renew to birth a new church out of us? Thank you for blessing Pastor Brito and the Independent Church of India with almost $5,000 towards a van that will change their lives. Thank you for giving 32 families in our area enough food to last a whole week over Christmas break. My friends, because of your giving, we rescued, healed, and employed women from the sex traffic trade in Cambodia. We planted churches, we cared for lepers, we loved orphans, we trained pastors in India, we spread the gospel in Southeast Asia. We supported MANA, the Boys and Girls Club, and countless people in the community of Lansdale and also in Renew. Renew, thank you for practicing generosity as you bless those in our community with time, with meals, with financial gifts, and with your presence. On behalf of the elders, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm humbled by the way that this community continues to trust God with their finances. I also want to say for us, thank Sam Class, who continues to tirelessly watch over our books and continue to keep us on the straight and narrow. If you have a chance, give him a high five or a hug. He's up with our three and four-year-olds practicing generosity with his time this morning. So my friends, this morning... Um, we are going to be talking about finances and money particularly. Um, Jesus began his public ministry uh, with with something that we find in in a few chapters in Matthew that's also known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is his manifesto for what living in the kingdom of God would look like. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the most challenging three chapters in Scripture. Uh, it, it calls out so many things to us. Jesus talks about forgiveness. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He, he converses with us about worry. He calls us how to treat our enemies. And he even begins and he starts the dialogue about money. So my friends, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6 with me. Uh, verse 19 through 24. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word of the Lord. This morning, I want to acknowledge something right from the beginning. 
Uh, talking about money is emotional. Uh, I may as well be talking about politics. It is also emotional because, because of uh, the attachments that so many of us have in our lives to it. Um, it has the potential to be our identity, to give us our worth, our security, our opportunity, uh, to define who we are, what, what opportunities we have, what we can do. Uh, the top two reasons given for American couples who, 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 who get divorced uh, is both sex and money, because both of these are so personal and emotional. And so this morning, I want to ask you, why is money emotional for you? In fact, if you start to get emotional as we talk about this, I want you to ask yourself quite directly, why am I getting emotional or defensive or defensive or excited or angry or frustrated right now? I give you permission to stop and ask yourself that question. So one thing that you need to know about Renew is that JR and I have no idea who gives what at Renew. If you were to hold a gun to my head this morning and ask me who our biggest givers are, I could not answer that question. And that's intentional. But as we begin to talk about money, one of the things that we need to do is we actually have to talk about the myths and the misconceptions about money and how we handle it because there are many myths and misconceptions, but especially within the church. Our first myth is this. My money doesn't really impact my relationship with God. Jesus clearly said that where our treasure is, there our heart will also be. It's a misconception to think that Jesus never talked about money. Actually, Jesus talked more about money than heaven, hell, faith, and prayer combined. The only thing that he talked about more than money was love. In fact, one of the difficulties that we experience in the Western church is that money is one of our biggest idols that exists in America and in the Western church. It has been said... Show me your checkbook or your bank statement, and I'll show you what you actually love and care about. So another myth that we have is it's my money, and I can do what I want with it. God makes it really clear in Scripture that it's actually his money, that he owns it all, and that he entrusts us to be stewards of his money. My friends, we are stewards of his money not owners. An owner mentality is a mentality of fear and control. A steward mentality is a mentality that says our money is here to serve others. Uh, they, the mentality is generosity in the way that they look at all that they have. Uh, there's a mentality willing to take risks with what they own. They're not afraid of loss. They're attentive to others' needs. And one of the biggest things is they become creative people because they're constantly thinking about how to bless others. Where we get into trouble is believing that we are owners when in fact God is the owner. We are stewards of what he has given us. And so God doesn't need our money. He owns everything and it is in his control. But he has a way of using our money to radically reorient our life towards spiritual growth and maturity. Another myth that we see is that all the church talks about is money. And actually, uh, we need to ask your apology because we hardly ever talk about money at Renew. 
And we need to ask for forgiveness because it is something that we need to continue to keep on the forefront of our minds. We need to talk more about it. It's a huge part of our spiritual growth, and it is a huge part of our faith. Now, I do want to acknowledge that some of us in this room have actually been really hurt by money and by giving and things like that within the church. And so the one thing I want to make very clear is we practice transparency here at Renew with our books. If you ever want to take a look at them, you contact Sam and he'll, he'll work you through what we have. He'll show you what's going on, where the money is, all that stuff. And I challenge you, if you have a question about that, please contact Sam. Another myth that we see is I'm not rich. My friends, let me be blunt. If you live in America, you're rich. We have so much. And the thing that we need to learn is simplicity and contentment. Another myth that we come in contact with is I'd give more money or be more generous if I made more money. Friends, this is completely untrue. Uh, God is never worrying about the amount you are giving, but the depth of your trust in the giving of the gift that you give. There are stats all over the place that show that the more money people have, the less percentage they actually give each year. And the truth is that the less money folks have, the more courageous they are with the way that they give away. The sixth myth that we come in contact with is Renew is talking about money today because they just want more money. That's true. No, I'm kidding. That's why the scoreboard's on in the back. Uh, the truth is, and this is the truth, that without the money, without money, we are not able to organize, we are not able to continue to, to, to run the community the way it does. The building that we are sitting in here today, like what you all do, pays for that. Uh, the visits that I go on, all the different things that JR and I do as pastors, that's supported by you all. We appreciate that. The Briggs and the Moisters are beyond thankful for the way you guys support us as a family. Um, the money of Renew goes, as, as we talked about earlier, to so many different ministries that are both globally and locally. And it's amazing to think of the impact that the gifts that we have make in the world, both locally and globally. And the truth is, we are more concerned about your spiritual growth than Renew's bottom line. We mean that. Another myth that we come in contact with is this, that God will love me more if I give more. My friends, this statement is completely absent of grace. The gospel is completely against the idea of earning God's favor in any way, and that includes with our money. Not with our efforts, our actions, our amount of times we go to church, amount of time we spend praying or reading our Bible or serving the poor or the amount of money we give can we ever earn God's love. We need to remember that. So the question is, how do we begin to understand money and its relationship with being a follower of Jesus? Enough of the myths and misconceptions. Let's get into the good stuff. And so as Jesus speaks about money... The one thing that we need to understand is more than anything else, God's desire for our lives is that we live generously, not give more money to your church. 
Generosity is at the core of God's heart. My friends, very early on, and we see the creation story. The creation story is about a God who is creative, who is big, who is beautiful, who longs to bless the creation. We see the story of Abraham, where God's first promise to Abraham is this, Abraham, I will bless you so that you will bless the world. And what we see all throughout the story of Scripture is the people of God get in trouble when they stop living that way, when they stop recognizing that they are not end users, they're not the owners of God's blessing, but they are the stewards of God's blessing. And so the story of the scripture is a story of a generous God who continues to give generously to his people, but calls his people to give generously to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And the more I think about generosity, the more I recognize it is the single most one subversive kingdom of Jesus act we can do in the culture in which we live. Not just for tax write-off's sake, but for the sake of actually saying, consumerism really is not my God. I have learned that when I bought my Apple cell phone, the whatever, I can't think of the name of it now, that's terrible. But when I bought my 5, it was great. But it wasn't good enough, because when the 6 came out, the camera was better, it did all this cool stuff. And then I got the 6, and that changed everything. For about 7 months until Apple came out with the 6S. And then I needed that one. But you know what I found in, in all these things? We never find fulfillment in this. You ask your kids a year ago, what did you get for Christmas last year that you're still thankful for? They can't even remember because the stuff doesn't last. The stuff that we think is really important in life, the stuff that the advertisers tell us is really important in life, actually doesn't really have much weight at all in the grand scheme of things. So when we are invited to join with God, we get an opportunity to show the world that consumerism is empty, that it never fills us, that it never satisfies us, and there will always be the next fill in the blank, and eventually consumerism will always, always, always fail us. So here's a few thoughts about generosity. Number one, generosity is a journey. We are constantly growing and assessing because it is hard work to look at all that we have as a gift from the Lord, as, a, as kingdom seeds that we can use to plot goodness. For a lot of us, it hasn't been easy. Giving is, is, is a difficult thing to practice, but the more we practice, the more generous we become and the more excited we get when we see the green box sitting up front because it's a way to bless the world. It's a way to enter into a subversive act of giving instead of, a, instead of the, the going with the flow act of hoarding. My friends, in my own personal life, it's been both scary and extremely fulfilling. The other thing we have to understand about the journey of generosity is that it needs to be covered in grace. The other thing that, that generosity does, it produces joy in our life. Have any of you ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Have any of you ever actually made it through the ending without bawling your eyes out? I can't. It's like every time I watch that show, I see, I see these guys who have all this stuff and they're giving homes away and they're doing this. And there's just something about joy that just raises up in my soul. Uh, have you ever hung around givers, people that just love giving? They're like the funnest people to spend time with. 
There are people that just, they just exude this sense of, of excitement and this sense of joy that is a lot deeper than happiness that consumerism will ever bring. When we bless others, it produces something in us. And I think that's one of the major things that our, that our world lacks is the opportunity to bless others. The opportunity is there. The question is, are we willing to follow Jesus and trust him? And again, if you ever want a chance to sit around and to experience his joy, sit around with a bunch of givers and hear the stories that they tell of blessing. Shane Claiborne said this, our job is to train up a generation to laugh at the lie that our joy has to be purchased. I love that quote. Another thing about generosity is it's all about trust. At the end of the day, do we trust God or do we trust our stuff? And do we trust God with our stuff? We trust that God is good and we continue when we do that, when we set ourselves in trusting that God is good and that he will care for our needs, it changes the way that we look at everything that we have. My friends, I've been blessed to hang around givers who give things that I'm, I, I, I laugh at. One of my favorite stories growing up in the church that I was at before is the founding pastor did something crazy. And he said, uh, one of the things that you'll hear within some churches, they'll talk about percentage and that you, when you give, you should give 10% of your income, which is awesome. And some people do that and, and some people don't. And some people give more, some people give less, but the consistency of giving. Well, this pastor said, what if we flipped it around? What if in the next four months we begin to work towards a place where instead of giving 10%, we give 90% and live off of the 10%? And I heard these stories about these families. Uh, this, guy, this guy literally, he goes, we showed up at this church. He's, he's a pastor now. He's like, we showed up at this church. We weren't even Christians. And we heard this guy talking about giving away 90% of our income. And I thought, my dad is going to walk out of this place so fast. People's heads are going to spin on the way out. He said, we got home, we got in the car, and my dad literally said, there's something about this God. People that are going to be that crazy, we need to come back, and we need to start thinking how we can do this. And they did it. He said that changed his, his family's trajectory was this opportunity to give, to say, it is better to give than to receive. Generosity is about trust. The last thing is this. Generosity is about, is contagious. One of my favorite stories uh, as a youth pastor, there was a girl named Sarah who worked so hard an entire summer long. She saved up all this money. She was just turned 16 years old. She was getting ready to buy a car. And I mean, I don't know if any of you remember being 16 and wanting a car. Like, it's a big deal, right? You work hard. She babysat. She worked at the pool. So much time, effort, energy spent in saving up money for this car. Well, a month before she, a month before she was about to buy this car, we did this thing called 30-hour famine where we spent time talking about how wealthy we actually are. And like only teenagers do, and I think adults need to reclaim, her life was so turned upside down by this subversive idea of my money actually means something to someone else that she took all the money she saved for this car and she gave it to this village and it just changed the whole village's world. It changed her world. And it's like the way that I started seeing other students in this ministry looking and thinking about money. Just, it was like this contagious thing. We had this little church with not a lot of kids. A lot of our kids left at that point in time. We were kind of rebuilding some things. But it's like 
to, to see 15 teenagers that entered this thing give almost $20,000 just changes and radically alters the way you think about giving. It was amazing because giving is gen generosity is contagious. It builds something in us. The more we do it, the more contagious it gets, the more joy we see happen. Now, my friends, as we talk about generosity, I also need to remind us that it's not just about money, although that's a big part of it. Uh, it's, we cannot compartmentalize generosity just to money. It includes our education. It includes our bank account. It includes our car, our talents, our time, our home or our apartment, our job. It includes our spiritual gifts. Because what we have... It needs to be used for God. And when we decide to take what we have and use it for God, he multiplies it in ways that we can never fully imagine. So my friends, this morning our goal is not that we walk out of here feeling guilt. Our goal in talking about money is that as you walk out this morning that you're challenged to have your faith deepen in the area of God being able to access every part of your life, which includes your bank account, your money, and your possessions. And our goal is in that, as you begin to see God's heart on the issue and actually feel great joy in this area of your lives, that because what you recognize that living generously is living joyfully. A generous life is the life I long to pass on to my, the generation after me and the generation after them. And so, Renew, here's my challenge to you. If you're not giving, I want to challenge you to begin giving. If you call Renew home, I want to call you to give to it. That may feel really uncomfortable. Friends, if you're already giving... I want you to consider ways that you can continue to trust God. I've learned that we actually can't outgive God. But here's what I ask you to do as you're doing that. Some of us may think, well, how can I outgive? How can I give more? What would that look like? What I would love for you to do is to ask the Lord, God, here's what I have. How else can I steward what you've given to me? How else can I bless those uh, who need to be blessed? What can that look like? And here's the third thing, because I also recognize this. When we talk about money, some of the things that really become difficult for us is the fact that it becomes really, really hard because when we look at our own finances, they're a mess. And so, my friends, if you're struggling with your finances this morning, we would love to help. We would love to, to help you work through a budget or to think through some ways that you can maybe get out of debt or ways that you can begin to think through things differently. And so if that happens to be you, um, we would love to do that. And so I just ask, shoot me an email and say, hey, I'm interested in learning more about finances. Uh, if you look on the handout that you received on the way in, just circle my name, shoot me an email, and I will send you some folks your way to help you think through that. Because we know that it's a sticky situation. It can be hard. My friend, the priority for God's people is not in giving dollars and cents, but it's about living lives of generosity and joy and faith where Jesus is Lord, where we enter into the subversive act of giving, the subversive act of being generous people. So I want us to end this way. For those of us uh, who still carry wallets or purses, I want us to pull it out. And I want us to hold it in our hands, and I want to have our palms open. 
Some of you may have Apple Pay on your phone, so you could hold your phone out if that's your wallet. But we started this year off just two weeks ago talking about hunger in a freezing cold gym. My friends, if we want to see our hunger increase, I believe that somehow God is going to use our wallets to help us to see that. So I want us to spend a moment just in silence with our palms open, with our wallets in our hands, just asking God, God, what do you need me to do with this? How can I be more generous? Can you increase that in me? Can you increase my faith? And then I'll close us in prayer. So let's pray together. Father God, our tendency is to tighten the grip on the thing that we hold in our hand. But Lord, may you loosen our fingers. May you open our palms up to recognize that we have received so much from you. Help us to be conduits of what we have received. Lord, I know this is a hard topic to talk about anywhere. But Lord, may we become people who see how much we've been loved, how much we've been given, that we recognize that you blessed us with the gift of your son Jesus, that everything that we have is a blessing from you and we are called to bless others with that. Lord, may we be people that look at all of our life as an opportunity to be generous. And God, I do believe that it begins and ends with our wallets many times, with our bank statements. So Lord, may you release us from the lie that we need to be afraid and we need to control what we have. May you speak truth into our hearts. May we begin to trust you more with the things that you've given to us, with what you ask us to do. In your name we pray, amen.